Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hello there. I have Todd. Hello. And I have Scott. Hey. My name. My name. And we got Tintin. And we got Tintin. Is Tintin a worldwide or is it just a... No, Tintin's worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, if you ever not know what Carl looks like, look up Tintin. And that's him in COVID haircut. I got COVID cut. I got the COVID cut. I got a bit of a Tintin fringe. <laughs> I was threatening my son today. His, his hair is getting so long and gross. And I said, buddy, just let me put, throw a bowl on your head. He's like, no way. I've seen that on TikTok. Not happening. <laughs> just shave it. That's what I did mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was close to actually. I almost went back to it. I still might. Uh, <laughs> you can't put the Robbie. <laughs> Um, what are we doing tonight? Oh yeah, we're having a chat with Mr. Marshall Bass. Yes, yeah, we, we are. are. He is back on the show for a chat with us uh, to give us a bit of an update on what obviously he went through during the um, during the wildfires that they just had, um, and yeah, then obviously with some bits and pieces that are going on now with the COVID. So we have a bit of a we have a bit of a chat about those things, and yeah, see how we get on. So without further ado, Mr. Marshall Bass. And uh, I would like to welcome back to the show, uh, Mr. Marshall Bass. Marshall. G'day, guys. How are you? Fantastic, mate. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, fantastic. Good, good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for coming back on, mate. We really appreciate it. We um, we actually, uh, we've been meaning to get a hold of you, obviously, um, to have a bit more of a conversation, especially after everything you've been through um, over there. So, do you want to maybe just give uh, give our listeners again just like a quick heads up as to uh, who you are, where you are, and uh, what you what you've been up to, really? Yeah, sure, mate. Um, so, yeah, Marshall, g'day, uh, listeners, and um, down here in Australia, um, I'm on the east coast of Australia, um, and those familiar with the country, I'm in the state of New South Wales. And we're in a rural location um, between Sydney and Canberra as the crow flies um, in the mountain areas. Um, the east coast of Australia has got a, a, a area of mountains that run along the coastline pretty much from top to tail. Uh, it's called the Great Dividing Range and we're situated in that locality. Um, at Our elevation here is about 800 metres above sea level. So that's where we are. Um, I'm in a rural um, fire department or rural fire brigade, um, state-based um, organisation. Um, so it's not locality-based or council-based. It's uh, it's a state-based organisation. And we're made up of four volunteers. 
Uh, we've got 50 volunteers on the books here where we are, uh, Esbrigade, uh, and about half of those now are operational members, so they're um, out in the fire ground and jumping on trucks. And We've just come through the, the fire season of, of from hell, so it's been a, a big time. Yeah, it was uh, obviously, you know, it's we, we, everything's kind of flipped completely just because of the current situation, obviously, with COVID, but... Um, with that, Marshall, do you want to talk a little bit about how that kind of... Let's talk a little bit about how that started for you, um, where it all started to kick off and um, how it progressed for you and, and your kind of experience at the whole thing. Yeah, sure, mate. It was never-ending, to be honest. Um, well, one season just ran into the next really we had fires all, all through winter um, running out of the 18-19 season our summer year runs or our fire season runs from from um, October through to, to March the next year so uh, our 18-19 season was, was eventful and um, it just really didn't stop um, we had fires through winter which was unusual and then come into the the springtime and summer, it just went gangbusters and crazy. Um, yeah, the word unprecedented's been unprecedented has been um, thrown around quite a bit, and it's it's absolutely true. There's really the the scale of these fires that we had this season um, have rewritten history books, really. Um, so yeah, it kicked off. Well, we had fires in July. Um, kicked off in the state, in the north of the state. Um, not long after that, um, through September and October, the north of the state, we had um, people from our brigade up there on deployment. Um, so up there for a period of just shy of a week, um, staying in camping areas and things like that and going out and helping the, the teams up there. And then as the summer heated up, those fires progressively worked their way down south and at one point um, pretty much the whole eastern seaboard in New South Wales was on fire. So pretty crazy times. Yeah, the uh, and one of the articles there we were looking at was um, the New South Wales bushfires, 5.4 million hectares of land burned, 2,439 homes destroyed, 11,264 bush or grass fires uh, and then 24 meter litres of fire retardant was used. Uh, it, it's just insane. Insane. So I guess I guess then for you Marshall um, did you get did you get pulled in I guess daily um, yourself uh, and your wife constantly eh? for, for all of it it was probably just a like tell us about that like uh, was it just wake up go to work come back like how, how is that working for you um so we were pretty much full on uh five shifts a week minimum uh for a period of seven to eight weeks from mid-december through to uh, mid-february um and shifts were generally around about 10 hours um, so we were crewing pretty much on a daily basis um, and at least one of our trucks out, uh, if not all of them, um, on a daily basis for, for over two months continually. So it was time 
off work. I took a heap of time off work. My wife took uh, some time off at work as well. We tried to rotate through our crew as best as we possibly could so that you know, people weren't going out every day. Um, we tried to keep it down to three days in a row um, with, with rotation of members, but um, it was pretty full on through that period. There were night shifts in there too. There were times where we stood up station and um, did a full shift here and then had to do the night again after that um, and then back out again uh, the next day. It was um, pretty full on. Um, I think the hours that we put in there, the, the total work hours that we put in, I estimated um, just over 2,000 hours we put in over that um, couple of month period. Jeez. <clears throat> That is, uh, <clears throat> that's insane. I know you, you, like you said, you use the word and the word has been thrown around of unprecedented, but it, it just, it, the scale of it, it, as we were looking at it progress at the time, it was just, it was insane. And then they were just throwing more and more firefighters at it. And it just didn't look like it was ever going to end. Uh, and I'm sure for you guys as well, you know, like it, it just, it felt like that too. Um, how, how was it? mentally like how did that tax you oh you're absolutely right in what you said it, it felt like it was never going to end and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and just when we thought we'd had a bad day the weather forecast for the next day was for stronger winds and drier weather and hotter weather and um we the the, the continual um bad weather days one after the other after the other was just crazy it was really not a lot of respite in between those bad weather days to, to get in front of the thing so um it was taxing but absolutely it was taxing um physically but also mentally as well i don't think i slept much for a couple of months so um and that's probably um indicative of a lot of the the, the firefighters that were out there over that time that um, they were, were not only um, physically exhausted but mentally exhausted as well and I don't think uh, many people got much sleep in there uh, Did you, I guess, because obviously you know they, they sent over firefighters from all over the world to, to come and help, did you have any, uh, any of that sort of aid given to your department? How did that work? Were you just joining up um, kind of your units with other units and then they were tasking it on a on a kind of an area-based kind of attack? How did that work? Yeah, you're spot on there, mate. Um, we predominantly worked on two big fires. We had one to the north of where we are here. That was, um, that fire in itself was 278,000 hectares. And we had one to our south that we were working on as well, and that was uh, half a million hectares uh, in to totality. Um, now, because of the sheer size of those two fires, uh, we were tasked to certain areas every day. Uh, we'd get a call in the afternoon, say, right, uh, report to such and such a sector or division tomorrow, um, be there at, at this time, and uh, you'll go in with a strike team and, and this will be your task. So that was the sort of planning um, that was there. Each major fire had a uh, incident management team, and these international people that came in, we had people from Canada, Malaysia, New Zealand, and the United States, just to name a few. Uh, other countries that assisted as well but um, um, 
they would be tasked for, for their speciality on those those firebrands as well as part of those strike teams or part of the, the overall strategy of that fire for that day and what we were, what we were going to achieve or, or aim to achieve for that day. Um, a lot of containment work, a lot of defensive work in, in that, those sheer-sized fires, but um, the, um, the help of the international people were, were fantastic. I met a couple of guys from Canloops. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice, nice. Just up the street. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was, that was good. That was good. Met a couple of guys from the states as well. Um, so yeah, really, really good support, and um, um, was really appreciative of their, their their help out here. Yeah, it was. Uh, just as you're saying those things, you know, you you were basically stuck in between two ginormous waves of fire, half a million hectares like that's it how do you even start where do you even start in trying to fight something like that yeah well um the sheer size of them and that that was one of the things that um we had to sort of mentally overcome um not like turning up to a structure fire there it is put it out and go home um these things were just enormous and you you, you had to I suppose, in a sense, take a step back from the big picture um, and just focus on what you were tasked to do. Um, the IMT or the incident management team had a handle on the big picture and uh, you were a piece in the puzzle um, to make this thing work and make the strategy work. Um, but each of those fires were broken up into divisions and then broken up again into sectors. Um, and then uh, strike teams would move into those sectors with a, a bit of a plan on what they needed to do for that piece of the puzzle for the day. So it was just day by day, um, task by task, and um, eventually wear it down and, and uh, hopefully the conditions improved so that we could get ahead of the thing. So, and that did come eventually, um, but it took a long time to come. But, um yeah, it, it had to be broken down. You had to just take a step back. If, if, you, if you were worried about the whole big picture, it would do your head in. So um, one of the things I, I learned out of this, this whole scenario was to, to control what you can, but don't stress about what you can't. Just focus on what you need to do uh, and do it well um, so that your piece of the puzzle, even though it might be small in the whole scheme of things, is you know, it's, it's vitally important that you get it done and get it done properly. Yeah, it's that uh, it's that detachment, right? It's just allowing you yeah. to, like you said, take that step back, look around, make a call, and when you're in that kind of a position where you are, it, it may even feel like what you're doing is almost futile, but um, especially in those instances, like, but it, you, you're right. It just needs to get done. It needs to get done properly so that that you know everyone's got everyone's got the plans, right? And you just need to do what needs to get done. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you're spot on there, mate. Um, you know, sometimes I felt like, well, what are we doing this for? We, you know, something's happening over here, or that villages are getting threatened there. Why, why can't we go and do that? But that 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 wasn't the point. Like, we had a job to do in our particular area for that day, and that's what we had to do. Um, if we didn't do that, well, then there would have been trouble elsewhere. So sometimes that was a hard pill to swallow, but but something that had to happen. Marshall, was there uh, was there any was there any close calls for you and your guys at, while you were out there? Um, the fire 
fire behaviour this this season was remarkable. And yeah, we had some close calls. Um, the twelve months of twenty nineteen has been the the hottest and driest on record for Eastern Australia. Um, so in in that respect, the, the the fuel loadings, the grass, the forests. Um, was primed, absolutely primed to to display some um, really unique and um, um, volatile fire behaviour. In one particular um, case, we were on a grass fire on, um, it was a ploughed paddock, um, so pretty much dirt right across, and uh, it was carrying flame and carrying fire. The, just the small amount of organic material in the um, soil was carrying that fire just because there was no soil moisture content. And that's a key key factor in fire behaviour. Um, soil moisture content is a, is a key thing. So we had virtually zero um, soil moisture content right across the state. And um, some of the fire behaviour would have seen some of the things on TV where uh, fire was crowning and... and um, and looking really gnarly out there and, and uh, amber attacks and things like that, you would have seen all that vision on TV. And that, that was pretty much what we, we, were, we were in and what we had to deal with. Um, there were a couple of uh, times there where we had a southerly wind change come through and um, we were under amber attack in a few spots. Um, there were a few times where we were on property protection and um, things got a bit gnarly out there. Um, you know, go back to basics, make sure you're in a safe location, make sure you've got uh, escape routes planned, um, look out for each other, all those things come into play. So I never felt at one point that, or at any point that, that we were under um, grave danger, um, just being mindful of those things all the time. So Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, especially when you're, Especially, like you said, with structures and things, and we've said it here as well, you know, with structures, it's a box that's on fire and eventually that fire will just go out. It will burn what's there and it will go away. Um, the only thing that you ever worry about with that really is it transferring to something else and then the weather comes in and, and can change that. But when it comes to when it comes to wildfires, you are completely at the whim of the, the weather. Like, you, you, there's nothing else you can do. You, you need to try and obviously... Um, enclose it and capture it but you, you don't always get that opportunity when the wind kicks up it just is what it is right like you, it drags it wherever it wants to go and it is way more dangerous um, than structure fires like just if you didn't if you didn't want to you didn't have to the, the house will just burn to the ground and it will go away but one gust of wind change and you're right in the shit again yep absolutely right mate so absolutely uh, right so with <laughs> With obviously with everything that you you went through there, um, you said uh, obviously you were on structure protection, mainly defensive kind of stuff with the lines and things like that. Uh, what is there a day that sticks out in your mind as kind of the day where you felt like things were getting better? Um, yeah, probably we're working those two big fires that we're we're working on. We're pretty much alternating each day between the two. 
um, depending on weather conditions. Um, so when the, the wind was coming from, from the northwest, um, we were pretty much tasked to that fire to the north of us. Um, when the wind was coming from the other direction or there was a threatening southerly change coming through, we were tasked to the one of the, to the south of us. Um, in, in a bigger group, obviously, um, and lots of guys on, on the fire ground in those two those two fires because they were just enormous. Um, and yeah, there, there was a time, uh, a day when we were on that fire on the south of us, and it was suddenly changed, came through, and it brought it brought with it some moisture and some rain. And in fact, we got some trucks bogged in, in on that fire <laughs> after the rain came through. Um, that to me was a, was a bit of a win in terms of a. a a turning point and it was only a couple of weeks after that that um, we got some really good good rain the, the monsoon for the north of the country finally kicked in and um, the eastern seaboard received something like 200 mil uh, on average right, right down the coast um, and and really helped us get those all those fires contained um, so that was a turning point for me that day um, it was a it was a hot day um, to start with, it was windy. Um, we had fire jumping lines that we containment lines that we'd put in. Um, we were chasing those and putting out spots, um, trying to, to knock down that edge and black it out. And then we could feel the wind pick up from the, from another direction. At one point, we all pulled out onto a safe area because that wind, if it uh, could have reacted on that fire, those fire conditions quite badly and, and push it ways that uh, that could threaten us so we all pulled out um got back in there and then the rain came after that not too too far after and um really put a dampener on everything and um knocked everything down then just a matter of uh, mopping up for the next few days so you got something there uh just a question marshall i know with a lot of big events like that um it's always a fine line between you know, you're trying to go out and do the job of the firefighting, but also worrying about your own families or your own uh, houses and stuff. Did you guys have anybody in your district who was affected by the fires as well? Um, the one to the, the, the fire to the north of us came pretty close. It was within 10 k's of our area. Um, so when we weren't out in the fire ground, Todd, we were planning and, and putting contingencies in place here. Um, we worked out divisions and sectors for our area. Um, and we got um, not only for our own family members, but we had a big role to play in the community as well to make sure that they were prepared. Um, anyone that didn't need to be here, um, um, they were encouraged to, to go um, on certain days, especially when it was bad weather days. Um, and um, those that weren't fully prepared were certainly encouraged to, to seek shelter elsewhere and, and not be in the, in the vicinity. Um, other than that, um, we were, were making sure that um, not only were our plans rock solid and we had um, things prepared, um, such as where all our water sources were, were going to be and where reliable um, infrastructure for staging areas and stuff was going to be, uh, but also individual properties if they, if they were prepared, answering their questions and uh, um, making, making sure that they had a plan as to what they were going to do if the fire did come in closer. You know, it's, uh, it's funny how many people, and we've even seen it now, Fires here, at least, they happen every summer. We get fires every summer, like grass fire season comes, sometimes it's bigger, sometimes it's smaller. 
and yet there is maybe a handful of people that are ever actually prepared and ready to be ev evacuated. There's maybe, you know, a, a small, small groups of people that have actually looked at this and went, oh, you know, there might actually be an instance where I'm going to get told to leave my home. Maybe I should get things together for that. And uh, it just amazes me that more people aren't ready for this kind of stuff. And obviously in a situation like yours, you know, for even for staying there, I understand wanting to protect your homes and things like that. Uh, and where else can you go? I mean, your entire island almost was on fire. It was just, it was chaos everywhere. But did you notice that with the, with the people that were there, were they, you know, there was, there was the small groups that were kind of almost at least partially prepared and then just others that were nowhere even near thinking about it? Um, we've had a really good um, and really, really strong campaign on, on um, community education about fire preparedness and making sure you have a plan, know at least what you're going to do if you're going to stay or if you're going to go. And if you're going to stay, make sure that you're properly prepared for it. Um, we had some instances where people were planning to stay and I, I had to indicate to them that that's you know, probably not a good idea um, because you're not in a good spot in terms of uh, the vegetation around you, in terms of the fire load and rating around you and, and how your property is prepared. Um, it's, it's a sad thing that, that um, a lot of people don't really grasp the importance or the enormity of things because they've never experienced it before, um, and I think that's 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 the thing to try and break down that um, lack of knowledge, I suppose, um, and indicate to people how severe it can be, um, so that they can make informed decisions and correct decisions on how to prepare their place or, or what their plan should be, and and then encouraging them too to, to get in front of it. So don't just <clears throat> wait till today to, and it's, oh, it's a bad fire day. Oh, I can see smoke and I better do something. Those those things should already be in place. The, the, the property should already be prepared as best as it possibly can be. Um, you should already have a plan in place that whether you're going to say or whether you're going to go and if you're going to go, where are you going to go to? How are you going to get there? What are you going to take with you? Who's going to pick up the kids from school? All those things need to be considered beforehand. And, and springtime, now that your guys are in springtime, this is the time that that message needs to get out there so that it's not just a handful of people that are ready. It's It's got to be the majority of people that are ready. Otherwise, it's it's left to the last minute. And, and that's when people, unfortunately, get hurt. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's... Uh... It's one of those things. It's a constant battle, I think. I know on from our side to just try and get people to understand. You know, this this is a situation. This can happen. Um, even if your neighbor's house catches fire, and you know, it, it, during that period, it may end up affecting yours. It's not just a wildfire that can cause these issues. Your house can catch fire from somebody else making a mistake, right? So having that stuff ready to go is super important for all the time not just wildfires but again constant battle um with that then that's this one. go ahead you there i was going to say too like if you're, if you're anywhere near uh, uh forested or, or grass or, or 
bush areas, like you, you've got to do something. You've got to prepare because embers, as you've said before, can carry many, many kilometres in front of the fire. Um, and that's where most homes are lost, is through ember attack. Um, yeah, so just having having stuff around the house, the floor mat in front of the door, the nylon fly screens on, on the on the windows, those things. <clears throat> that's that's where your house is going to get lost with with all the with the embers hitting those areas and and catching a light and then <laughs> expanding from there. Um, most as most homes are lost on ember attack, and, and no one's immune to an ember attack unless you're in the centre of the city. Um, if you're anywhere near bushland or forest or or, or wildland, uh, ember attack is the is the key thing to to be mindful of and to, to prepare for. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Do you guys do a lot of uh, sprinklers out there, or do you, uh, is it mainly attack lines? Because we have like uh, sprinkler tra- sprinkler trailers here now that we use a lot of we use a lot of those now. Yeah, I like that idea, but no, we don't generally use those. Um, when we're properly protecting, we'll, we'll, we'll try and set up a, a unit or a crew with a truck or a tanker at that particular place um, so that we keep as mobile as possible. Um, fire dynamics and wind shifts and all those sorts of things, if you can keep as mobile as possible, we find that works the best here. Um, but, yes, yeah, certainly <clears throat> if there's if there's a... a um, a water source that's close to a property, um, we can set up a portable pump and um, and minimise the amount of resources there if, if there's facility there to, to, to run a line um, off the resources that are already on that property. Um, we don't use the sprinklers as, as much. No, we, we try and keep as, as mobile as possible. I do like that idea of the sprinkler systems, um, but I suppose what we, we what we're doing here is encouraging people to take on that. Uh, responsibility themselves, the property owner, to take on that that initiative themselves to prepare their property, get a pump themselves, put a sprinkler system in themselves, um, and and move the the fuel away from the, the home the, the, as best as you possibly can, um, so that it is defendable, and then we can move in and, and be mobile. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes absolute sense. <coughs> the. Uh... I guess the on the other side of that then too, with um, with people and lessons learned um, now, is there been or have there been plans to that maybe have currently been stopped because of everything else is going on? Um, is there any plans out there now to try and help with um, either aid for this now rebuilding? Like how's how's that all looking and working? Yeah, the recovery process is still underway. Um, there are a number of villages, and particularly down on the south coast, um, a number of villages on those highland areas, um, right up, right, still up through to the north coast as well, and not too far from here, a number of villages were, were heavily impacted. Um, so, yeah, the recovery process is still underway. The COVID things, I suppose, have slowed things up a little bit for those those um, communities, um, but it's certainly not gone away. Um, and the government and uh, the, the state bodies and councils are uh, still working through that. There was a lot of donations to, um, to a lot of the community uh, charity organisations. Um, so that that's all working still in the background 
it just takes time to rebuild houses unfortunately you can't um can't knock one down today and put one a new one up tomorrow it takes takes time and uh, it takes resources and takes manpower as well so that all still is happening the sad thing about some of those communities but again i'll reflect on the south coast um they're tourist towns down there and not only have they had the the um, heartache and um, impact of the bushfires down there. They've also had the economic impact of uh, people not visiting down there as well um, through the holiday season uh, because of the COVID. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know that we're actually. Um, we were just talking about something very similar to that here, because to the south of us, you know, in, in Todd's district, there a tourist town. Um, they're going to get hit by this. Obviously, you know, we're in the wine capital of Canada. Um, they, they survive off of that business. It's what drags everyone in for that. And uh, even now we're looking at it like, well... Is the, is the cure going to kill me? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's, what's going to happen here? Like, more and more people are going out of business and things are needing to shut down and stay shut down because they can't yeah it's just it's crazy how how is uh how is that affecting you guys over there right now actually um nationally we're doing quite well uh, and even in the state of new south wales doing extremely well we're flattening the curve here i think uh looked at the latest figures this morning we had uh nationally 6711 cases 83 fatalities 5539 recovered So we're almost 50-50 cases versus recovered, which is which is really good. And the, the daily the daily tallies or the daily new cases are getting down close to single digits now. So it's certainly flattening, and the governments are starting to talk about uh, relaxing some of the um, um, isolating. Uh, restrictions over the next few weeks if we continue this trend. So it's very encouraging. Um, but I suppose the, the the hardest sectors hit here being retail and hospitality. Um, they've been the two probably hardest hit areas here. But, um, if there's some relaxation there, then hopefully those businesses can um, can open up again and, and start doing something. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, because like you said, your your entire summer was literally, because of the fires, I, I doubt you got many, many visitors and tourists then. And now obviously with this continuing on and causing more problems, um, people that run off of those types of things expect that money. Um, oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Then, I should have mentioned tourism there too. Tourism's absolutely been smashed here. So. But that's been the case everywhere around the world, I suppose. One of the airlines here too has gone into to voluntary uh, administration just recently as well. So we'll see how, how it all pans out at the end of it. But, um, yeah, just keep soldiering on one day at a time. That's, that's, that's the only way you can do it, eh? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, with the um, on the on the fire, you got some. Well, I was just thinking uh, when you mentioned airlines, I was thinking, do you, did you have a lot of uh, air support around there when you were working your fires? Like, yeah, you know, it was, was was really good, Scott. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I mean, air, aircraft won't ever put a fire out. Um, it's the firefighters that put the fire out eventually. Yeah. Um, but the, the aircraft are certainly great in suppression. And certainly when you get into those interface fires, um, trying to 
to get some suppression around the properties and things like that. Um, they were really, really good. So we had plenty of air support this year. Um, we had large air tankers, very large air tankers. Um, so everything from DC-10s to 737s to C-130 Hercules to smaller aircraft and helicopters for that final work as well. Um, no, they were really great. Um, some of the winds were challenging. Um, they couldn't always fly where we needed them to be um, just because of the strong winds that we were experiencing and the wind shifts that we were experiencing throughout um, some of those bad weather days. But um, they're certainly... Um, Absolutely lifesavers. Um, they're brilliant. Can't say, say can't say too much about them. Wasn't there? Uh, I believe that was over in your neck of the woods. There, uh, I think it's, is it uh, Colson Aviation? They're based out of BC, but they've got a um, a branch over your way. Uh, wasn't one of the aircraft lost during the wildfires over there? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ash. Well, I'm not glad you mentioned it, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, a very, very sad um, state of affairs there. But yes, you're mm-hmm. right. Coulson's um, work here with us every year. Uh, and um, there was a C-130 aircraft, a Hercules aircraft, that we that was lost um, down near the Snowy Mountains area of New South Wales, if people know that area. And uh, there were three firefighters lost on that aircraft. Um, very sad, and mm. um, they were from the USA. Um, those guys, uh, Captain Ian Macbeth, First Officer Paul Hudson, and Flight Engineer Rick DeMorgan Jr. Uh, were lost on that flight. Um, um, there's obviously an investigation happening to, to Hawaii and and what sort of factors led to that accident, but um, certainly a very, very sad state of affairs. And um, hats off to those guys, and, and thanks very much for your service to those guys. Um, yeah, I can't say too much more, but yeah, I'd like to, but <laughs> um, it's, yeah, very, very sad. And our Absolutely. thoughts and um, prayers are with the family and friends of those, those firefighters, and we thank them for their service. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, that was another one that hit very hard all around the world too, you know, it's uh, terrible, terrible things, especially when people are uh, out doing, doing things that need to be done to help others, and then they unfortunately mm-hmm. get hit by, uh, <clears throat> get hit by whatever at the same time and get taken away, it's, it sucks, honestly. But, um, so with, with all that, with all that happened... Obviously, um, things now are being put in place with uh, with rebuilding, obviously. But uh, is there anything on a larger scale that you've heard of that may be getting put in place to try and help prevent or at least protect um, later on? Because, again, obviously, you know, we always say um, when it comes to fires, obviously, especially wildfires, you need to let some of them burn as long as they're not kind of getting near everywhere else so that you can get rid of that dead material. Well, that dead material is gone now, but there's still obviously the chance that there could be another one. So is there something that you, you've heard of or any plans that you've got to to help your different areas to protect for future ones? Yeah, sure. There's a lot of work going into that. Um, the, the state is having our own state inquiry. 
uh, and there's nationally a, a Royal Commission um, happening as well. And those things with COVID are still still happening, albeit by Skype and Zoom and all those things rather than face-to-face meetings. But those things are still working um, and moving through quite rapidly, getting feedback from the local communities, getting feedback from firefighters on the ground, getting feedback from the state bodies and emergency services, getting feedback from local governments and things as well as to to what we can do better, uh, what learnings we can take out of it. Um, And those inquiries are moving through very quickly to try and get things in place for not only the long term, but, but things that we can do immediately into before we get into next season. This season was unprecedented, absolutely, but that doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. Um, so the continual work that we do every year with um, hazard reduction work um, and mitigation work, um, that continues. And, and um, even though we've had a lot of reports on bushland, but just recently, um, we're still trying to get those hazard reductions in um, in areas where that hasn't been burnt. Um, to, to, to get that that protection in ready for, for next season because you don't know what's going to be like next year like or the year after or the year after that so those things are still still working and, and uh, even as we speak today um, across the state there's like a dozen hazard reductions happening right right now um, so there's crews out there right now doing doing work on, on um, burning those areas and uh, low intensity burns uh, to clear up that, that fuel on the, on the ground and, and make things just a little bit safer. Um, just to put it in a bit of perspective, but um, this season just gone, uh, we are doing containment work and putting in um, back burning lines and using burns that had been done not six months ago as anchor points um, for, for some of the containment on these big fires. And those areas, even though that they'd been burned off six months ago, they were still burning. They were certainly reduced in intensity, um, but they were still carrying fire quite significantly. And um, that just, again, it shows the impact of this, that soil moisture content factor. And we talk about the, the fire triangle um, and the fire behaviour triangle of um, the topography and, and fuel type. Um, but certainly soil moisture content plays a big factor Yeah, it's uh, I, I'd still like even even now when we read the numbers and and we look at this and we hear from you about it. Like we were we were checking in with you, you know, every now and again, seeing how things were going. Obviously, you know, the, your time was completely taken up with what you were doing, but it it just still seems like how could it ever get? How could something have burned that big? Like just craziness. And the amount of effort and time, obviously, that went into to getting it under control, I, I just it doesn't. It, it just it it seems fake, you know. Like it just seems like it couldn't have it couldn't have happened. And then uh, the unfortunate part is no one no one's really had the major time to assess all of this because you went out of the out of the fire into the frying pan in this instance because now everyone's getting locked down with the the COVID stuff going on too. I mean, thankfully this didn't happen at the same time because can you imagine that calamity that would have been insane yeah 
Speaking logistically, um, how did your supply chain um, suffice, like as far as um, hoses, pumps, bladders, and uh, the rest of your apparatus? Did you guys come into some shortfalls or have difficulty um, securing extra resources? No, I've got to say no. Um, it was it was great. Um, we used contractors quite a bit for for water tankers and for uh, bulldozers and all those sorts of things, earth moving. Um, things to, to help with containment um, um, but in terms of resources for what we needed when we needed it not a problem at all not a problem at all so again the leadership behind the scenes in those incident management teams and at state level as well and even beyond that um, were extraordinary um, because not once did were we short of a hose or short of what we needed if we needed something we asked for it and got it nice I guess uh, a, a question as well, like, it, have, has your department changed because of this? Like, have you put anything in place yourselves? Um, any different training tactics, anything that you learned while you were out there on this to, to really kind of advance you and make you more prepared for next time, right? Yeah, sure, we learned lots of it. Um, so we had a bit of a debrief and a bit of a review here, a bit of a process here at our brigade level as well. Um, we looked at things that, that we could possibly need or improve on. Um, one of the key things was communications. Um, so we've been talking just off air before that uh, communications here are pretty poor um, in terms of the um, infrastructure of internet and things like that. So we've got a bit of a plan to spend some money um, to upgrade those systems as best as we possibly can and put some boosters in for our location just here so that we talk for each other in, in times of emergency and contact members of the community in times of emergency as well. So that's one of the key things. Um, we were in drought, so water supplies were, were of the essence as well. So we've looked at um, some extra water storage uh, that we can invest in and, and 
uh, improve the situation a little bit as well. Um, so there's just a couple of things. Um, also with team planning uh, and the rostering and that sort of stuff. Um, so we've, we've um, started using a, a new online system that we can indicate our availability to each other every day and we can roster for every day and just the planning part of it could be a little bit easier in that respect as well. So we've started to use that. Um, on the flyogram, there are a couple of things that um, we started to use. We started to use uh, a form of what wasn't quite a Minuteman, but, but the similar type of concept because um, we were mobile, um, moving around on the trucks for, and going from one spot to the next, one spot to the next, one spot to the next. We sort of did a little bit of a makeshift Minuteman type fold over fold over fold on the back of the truck with the lay flats to for the, just that ease of getting it on and getting it off and making it up and putting it back on and then moving to the next spot. So we started to do that, uh, which we, we hadn't normally done. Um, we normally use a, a hose drill to come on and go off um, and we, we keep our lay flats in either Cleveland rolls or donut rolls. Um, but we found that quite effective um, just to, to have a, a couple of lengths of pre-connect um, off the hose lines, off the back of the trucks as a, in a Minuteman type fold over fold type fashion, easy to deploy, easy to make up and move on to the next spot. So that was a couple of little things that we, we picked up. Um, we also started to use that. If you remember last time we talked, I talked about the convoy firefighting on grass fires. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah Scott yeah. still talks about the, uh, the, the Mad Max rolling. <laughs> Just Mad Max but firefighting. Guitars. When, guitars. We were, when we were lighting up... Um, backburns off, off containment lines um, we, we to black out we started using that and gee it was effective so we instead of being on foot and and, and, and physically going into the into the line and blacking out and coming back out we initially knocked down with, with that convoy type firefighting again two guys off the back we had um, one guy with a with a dialer jet nozzle um, just to, to get the edges and then we had another guy with a a bit of a straight train to get those longer distances and get a bit more um, um, penetration into 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 the line and, and black it out that way. It was effective. And then you know, when you come back to, to be on foot to, to do that finer work, it was wasn't a big chore at all. So um, that was one thing that we picked up and thought worked quite well as well. Nice. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's funny because we, we always say it, you know, like it, it's the same when it comes to anything in the service. It's not until the shit hits the fan or somebody gets hurt that we then really see where the tactics work and where they don't and what we should be doing as opposed to what we're doing now. Um, and in the situation you guys were in, you know, I'm sure you learned a considerable amount because you, you had to, right? Like what's going to work right now? Let's look in the toolbox. What's going to work here? Well, maybe that's not going to be the same thing. And so you've had to adapt those things to ensure that you had the, the, the best responses to all sorts because you're dealing with structures, you're dealing with, you know, all, all sorts in that kind of environment. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so is there, a, I guess the, the last kind of final thing for you there then, Marshall, was what's, uh, what's your biggest takeaway from the hell that you guys endured? What, uh, what was your one... You kind of one thing that you you really took away from it. All. I think personally, what I mentioned before, that just control what you can. Like 
be in control of what you've got to do today and how you've got to do it in these big major scenarios. If you if you worry about what's happening down the road, if what's happening in the next village, if what's happening in, on the other side of that fire, then you're going to do your head in and you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. Just you, you're there for a reason. You're you're a piece in the puzzle. You're you're a piece on the chessboard. You've got to play your role and play it and do it properly, um, and just focus on that. Um, I think that was my big key call out because um, I was getting stressed out about what's happening on the other side, where's going to happen here, and that village over there, we could have done something there, but no, no, that, that wasn't our role. Um, so, yeah, that was probably my key, key take out of it all. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Again, we always talk about um, filling the role, right? mm-hmm. filling the hole that you see when you're out there and, and trying to find that you know if you if you see one of your guys not doing something or they're they're waiting for something else you just go and you you do that thing and uh, but you do it until it's done don't walk away I think the other thing the other thing we got out of it too was the relationships between neighboring brigades and neighboring districts and um, people in the other fire services that are, that are here in the country developing relationships through there and, and finding a way to work together um, was was brilliant. That, that's really a, a, a great thing that came out of it for me as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Especially seeing as you were out there with them day in day out, hour after hour. Again, it's that brotherhood, family. That uh, doesn't matter where you're from. If you're if you're part of the service, you're your family. It is what it is. Speaking of family, I've got to take my hats off to my family here as well. Um, all the members of our fire family here at this brigade um, did absolutely fantastically um, and kept fronting up and kept turning up. And yeah, there was never any question of, oh no, I've done this and I've done that, that's me done. No, that, that never happened. Um, they, they kept turning up all the time. And, um, to my beautiful wife as well, she put in some hard yards and um, and get things in place at home while I was out as well. We tried not to cross over too much, um, so that you know, we went both out at the same times. But um, yeah, she she did really well. And my daughter Tori, uh, my eldest daughter, she was qualified as a um, firefighter um, just before the season started. So she came out with us as well. So she did extremely well and learnt lots. I think everyone learnt. Um, I don't think there's any firefighter in the country that didn't learn something over this last uh, little while. Hey, Marshall, you, you kind of just hit on something there that I was going to ask about. So um, your daughter just, just came on. She was fresh at the start of this, uh, at this big fire. I'm sitting here trying to imagine being a rookie firefighter, being like, I think I'm going to give this firefighting thing a chance. <laughs> and then having the season that you guys just went through, I mean, either the rest of their life is going to be, I don't, I, I don't want to say boring, but like <laughs> it could never live up to what you just went through. Like I'm trying to put my mind in the shoes of a rookie firefighter. All right, so we're going to go do a couple of live practices here. Oh shit, the country is on fire, and I'm, I'm in the shit. Right? Like I can't imagine. Like there's, there's a, 
a pretty decent amount of experience in the room when you look around. There's, I mean, Todd's been around for like 40 years. And, <laughs> I mean, and then it drops down from there. But, you know, like... Drops we drops way off. Way off, yeah. <laughs> we have seen some fires. Okay, I think, like, we could survive in a situation because that really that's all that you're trying to do is just go out there do your job and survive but you've got some experience to look back on these rookies coming off and they're like zero experience coming off the truck and they're walking out in into that 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 season that you guys just had um how how many in your brigade were in that position yeah it was a, probably about half a dozen yeah Wow. Probably about half a dozen. Yeah. yeah. So they they learnt fast and they learnt quickly. Yeah. Um, we you know we, we we didn't throw them throw them in the deep end by no means. We always had mentors and tried to balance the crews with seniors and, and juniors as best as we possibly can. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So there was someone there that's a mentor and looked after them. We sort of used that buddy system a little bit here. Um, so I don't think any of them were scared out of their wits. Uh, they all held themselves very well and did extremely well. And the training that we've put into them too it was evident out there as well. So you can't do too much training, mate. It's, um, and it really shows when you get out there on the fire ground who's done training, who hasn't. Um, it stands out like dogs' balls. So, but the guys have done they've done really well, and, and they they um, they they've all done. Yeah, so they've done extremely well, and, and it will be something that they'll be able to look back on for, for a long, long time to say, oh, I was part of that, I made a difference on that. Um, so it's something I think they'll be very proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Marshall, I, I mean, what what can, we, what can we say? Like, fair play to you, mate. You, you held it together, your family held it together. Your boys all did their work and did the job. You learned a whole bunch. You went through a whole bunch of shitty situations for a prolonged period of time. And I just, I say fair play to you. Fair play to all of you. Um, congratulations for all of the, the stuff that you did. Um, you know, and thank you again for, for taking the time to uh, to come on and have a chat with us, mate. It's always a pleasure. Um, yeah, well well played. Yeah, no problem, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I want to thank you guys, too, for your support through that time. But just a little message here and there to say how he's going and, and what's going on out there. It was it was really good, and it kept my head in a good space. Um, but I'd also like to shout out all our members in the community again. And um, also, um, the, the, the leadership here in the, in the state, those, those fire agencies that I mentioned before, just absolutely exceptional leadership it was just beyond belief how everyone stepped up and worked together it was, it was brilliant um and um also in the, in the dtf community into the dtff community um thanks for those that, that that reached out as well and um and and touched base with me through that time um special mention to chris and to sam there who have been on there before um they touched base with me quite regularly as well it was good to just have that year and and, and have that outlet to, to talk about things because mental health is the thing that I suppose after these big things and these big events, mental health is, is the thing that goes unnoticed. Um, you can rebuild the houses, you can put the fences back up, you can bulldoze the trees that, that burn out and make things nice and pretty again. But it's those 
those um, mental issues, it's the anxiety, it's the sleepless nights, it's, it's all those other things that, that, that continue on well and truly into the future. I'd be hard-pressed us to say that now that there wasn't many of the population of this state, and it's certainly around the country as well, that, that weren't touched or affected somehow, some way by this season that we've just gone through. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I can't even imagine where you'd start with something like that for the the mental health side. Having to be in that situation, prolonged, uh, prolonged situation with all the the stress and, you know, you really have to have the mental endurance to be able to every day, get up, go and fight that same fire and, not win for months and months and months and just have that be your day knowing that the battle that you're going out to fight is one that you have to go and fight but you're probably not going to win much um yep. you just gotta keep yep. keep cracking on and that, that's why i heart back on you know one day at a time focus on what you gotta do do the task fill the gap get it done get it done good and then you know the, tomorrow's the next challenge tomorrow we'll get a phone call sometime this afternoon, yep, you're going somewhere else, this is what you're going to do, okay, yep, no problems, let's worry about that when we get there, let's just focus on what we're doing now, here, and, uh, and get it done right. Mm. Uh, big, big learning curve in that respect, absolutely. Cracking. Well, Marshall, thank you again for your time, greatly appreciate it, mate. Um, yeah, if uh, if there's anything you ever need, you know we're always here. And uh, it's really good to hear that the community and stuff reached out as well. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic too. Um, yeah, yeah, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're welcome, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Take care, guys. Cheers, mate. Tada. Cheers, bye. And there we have it, Mr. Marshall Bass. Um, again, what a fantastic interview. Um, you could hear, you could hear the the emotion in his voice. There is a definitely, uh, definitely some moments there which he he had to relive for a minute there to go back through and that uh, bring those feelings and emotions back up. So mm-hmm. again, we we really appreciate having him on and and coming on and talking about that stuff, Scott. Um, I was listening to what the hell was it? Um, Cleared Hot, which is on the podcast. Um, Andy Stump and they had. That Colonel Grossman on. He's, he's written on killing and on combat. Um, not related to firefighting, really, but related to stress. He says, you know, there's uh, post traumatic growth, is what they like to call it now, not post traumatic stress. So, all, you know, you're going to grow from your experience, which sounds like he is. Um, Marshall is. Um, you know, he has a lot of stress, but they're growing by training more and doing new things. And so I think that's, if you look at it as a growth, you know, you're growing, not a growth like a bad growth, <laughs> but a growth like you're getting. Um, stronger you're learning, from this. Yeah. Like you're you also, a muscle, a you also grow muscle. your resiliency yeah. to things, right? Yeah. To adapt when stressful situations happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like that stress muscle you're building because you're. Yeah. So if you look at it as that, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what that article meant: the stress muscle. We'll be sharing that article. No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, hell of a conversation. Um, yeah. Again, just crazy what those those people went through over there nuts yeah. i like um, how when you're like oh i'm fighting the quarter million uh hectare fire 
Oh, I bet there's a half million one over here. Let's go yeah. fight that one today. I'll be there yeah. tomorrow. Great. Yeah, let's go to the big one. The small one's not giving you a quarter million. Yeah. <laughs> the wind shifted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go fight the bigger one for a while. <laughs> That's mental. Absolutely mental. I can't even imagine. Can't no. Even imagine. You know, we we sit here. We go out and we deal with the fires that we see here, and like we've we've had some quote big ones come through the area, and I mean it's like. 3,000 hectares? Yeah, 4, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, it matters to us. It's a big deal here. Well, I mean, I mean it still kill you. I mean, yeah, you like, know, yeah. We, we've been surrounded a couple of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, you can't even wrap your head around that. No. Like, that's insane. Just the, the sheer size and the amount of people involved. It's... Because yeah. I think we know, like, we know eventually there's going to be either winter's going to come. Mm-hmm. Because when winter comes here, it comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not like down there. When winter comes, it gets a little bit... A little cooler, cooler. Like 10 degrees. <laughs> and maybe rains here it's like it's, we're gonna get like a foot of snow yeah um we're also you know eventually it could hit a mountain where it's gonna hit a bunch of rocks Rock. and yeah, it's yeah. gonna kill itself mm-hmm. um you know i mean some of the bigger fires up north obviously <laughs> the big tree stands but again there's not a whole lot of civilization up there yeah you know? while he was talking about the size of, of their insane fires i quickly searched up some of the fires i was on back in the day for the sizes because i couldn't remember how big they were <laughs> and and so it, in my prime forestry firefighting in 2003, the Anarchist Mountain Fire was only 1,200 acres. <laughs> acres? Acres? <laughs> sorry, hectares. Sorry. 1,200 hectares. And then uh, the biggest one I was on was 3,300 hectares on the Okanagan, Okanagan Mountain Park, or uh, OK Falls, Vassal Lake Fire. Right. And those ones, the Anarchist one started in July. Um, we started the Vassal Lake Fire in August, and then Okanagan Park one started a week after. Mm. And yeah, those are the biggest ones I was on. They, they sound piddly compared to <laughs> So add all of yours up. I know. Not even close. Not even close. One of his days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just mental. blows my mind. Yeah. And those, I thought those were huge. I mean, we had so many resources on the one big fire, and like yeah. we were... It, it was nuts. Like our crew, we were, I was the South Division leader in the one, and I thought that was stressful. I can't even mm. imagine what he went through, yeah. or the rest of the firefighters in, in their country. Yeah. Well, it was good to hear that, you know, that the leadership was That's strong. Say. You know? Yeah. It was really good to hear that. I mean, yeah. he spoke highly. You, you could tell he had a lot of respect for, you know, the men and women that were making those yeah. calls and getting those uh, resources to them. Mm-hmm. Nice. And comms, even like they said, I mean, we all know every every large event, communications is the one thing that fails. Always. Um, like I remember we had to, we started carrying portable repeaters with certain tactical mm-hmm. units and stuff as well because we had a couple of repeater stations go or we threatened to go. Yep. And um, when he was speaking about that, I was visualizing our area and where our repeaters are and you know, we've come close a couple times with some of the fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Did you in the woods somewhere? Yeah. And <laughs> the woods are on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not mental. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like they learned a lot from it too, which is good. And they've got some yeah. newer tactics. Um, yeah. You know, the the load changes and stuff that they've done for hoses on beds and their quick deployments and, and just kind of hitting it and moving and staying, staying mobile. And yeah, like craziness. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah, it surprised me about the sprinkler, sprinkler protection trailers because that's huge around here yeah we were talking about that a little yeah. a while ago as well and i don't know i'm curious to see how 
that thought process is there with their fuel load and, and just the environment. It's going to be so much different than here, mm-hmm. whereas we know it works well in our environment, but yeah. that's, you know, our trees and grasslands are way different than theirs. Yeah. You don't have those exploding eucalyptus trees like uh, they have <laughs> but, over there. But I mean, like one thing you were saying was the uh, ember storms, and that's really yeah. what's going to, and the Snickers, that's what they're basically for. Yeah. That's where there's ember storms. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know from dealing with, uh, you know, last year with our fires here, talking to the structural protection guys, they're like, yeah, yeah no, we, we don't run it until we have, like, they have, like, break-off points or whatever yeah. they call it, yeah, and they're like, yeah, now is when we start the pump, now is when we start the, hum- uh, the sprinklers to get the humidity up, and then, then we'll leave, yeah. and we'll come back and tackle the fire after it rolls through. Yeah, so, they'll do the yeah. they'll do the triage of homes, yeah. and then uh, we'll set it up, and it'll be all ready to go. And they don't uh, kick off that pump and water source until yeah. it, it's, it's right like there, point. and then yeah. they can leave. Yeah, mm-hmm. and let, let it run there unmanned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting <clears throat> to see um, the stats on those kind of things. How many survive? What the differences are? Mm-hmm. They're building so many of them now. It must be some. It must be something. It's got to be doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 For our area, anyways. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Uh, I guess we should roll into some quick shout-outs. Before we move on to the shout-outs, mm-hmm. I just want to throw out to them uh, best of luck uh, with all the um, rebuilding and recovery efforts, because that's going to be a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, even more challenging now with the COVID, everything's kind of on hold, so it's going to make it that much harder for everybody to recover and, and build those new homes and build those um, supply chains, like they said, and the tourism industries, so... Best mm-hmm. to them. It's I think Australia hard. hasn't hit that bad because they only had 100 deaths in the whole country. I think that's what you're saying, yeah. We had 100 deaths in the province. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They must yeah. listen a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> or they're spread Stay out. Stay at home. Or they're spread out <laughs> over the size of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Australia, I wouldn't be worried about COVID at all. I'd be worried about the snakes. Yeah, everything else kills Big you. ass spiders. <laughs> yeah. Spiders the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Nope. I'm out. Ash. Uh, let's do. Oh, actually, we'll do Motus. Scott. Well, you can make a medium Motus. Because <laughs> Motus is your new favorite Yeah, Motus is good. <laughs> we actually. Uh, rocking a t shirt, too. Yeah, I know. You're rocking yeah, a t shirt. Um, I love this shirt. It's a nice shirt. Rocking the t-shirt and your tint in here. <laughs> it's my COVID cut. <laughs> Everyone gets the COVID cut. You know what? It also reminds me of Wayne's World when he had the flow, the, the vacuum cleaner. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, last practice, we, we were running the new, the, the recruits through um, hose movements and hose handling, and uh, we ran the two and a half. And kind of part of our procedure now is we're making them run the two and a half by themselves just so they get that confidence up. Um, whether we did kneeling for the two and a half and then standing Jimi Hendrix style, mm-hmm. two and a half, everybody did it. A couple of guys were like, wolf, because, you know, a lot of recoil on the host. Yep. And then, of course, we pull up the snagger tool and everyone's like, this is so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're like, well, sometimes you don't have the equipment with you because <laughs> not everybody has a snagger right now, but it definitely was easier for them mm-hmm. so yeah right there it's proof like we were basically proving to them that this is why this equipment is good these yeah. snagger tools yeah. it takes a little bit more to set up than the, than the Jimi Hendrix but mm-hmm. um, it definitely um, is once it's, once it's set up it's, the longer fight yeah you could fight longer with it yeah, yeah. and move forward faster and, yeah yeah 
Yeah, so they uh, snagger tool, the um, wedge. They got the what's that? What's that key called? Shove knife. Shove knife. Was yeah. it called anything particular? No, just shove knife. Shove knife. Yeah. Shove knife that fits inside of a um, exacto knife. Which is pretty neat. Which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, the new hydro wrench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we have videos of all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. CD. That, that hydro wrench is awesome. Yeah. Super it quick, is, yeah. like you can see on that video, like how fast you're cranking that to, yeah. to get through, and it's it's so much easier to, slow to do. Down. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. doing it normally with the other wrench, right? Like yeah. with the old hydrant wrench now, like you just you're grabbing it, just it's nowhere near as slick or as fast, or it, it's yeah. just way better, way better. Yeah. yeah. Um, DTFF five. Yeah. DTFF five percent off. Yeah. Uh, RZ masks. RZ mask. Um, we've been using them. We've been loving them. Uh, I don't know what their availability is right now, <laughs> but short. Uh, yeah, pretty short. But um, when this is all over and things get back to decent supply, uh, yeah, it's a it's a great addition to um, to your kit if you're not in that IDLH environment. Great for medical. Great for for uh, wildland. Um, again. Well, they're durable. Like you, you put it in your pocket, forget yeah. you have it there for mm-hmm. three months, then pull it out, and you can still put it on and use it. Yeah. Like you use an N95, it's like it's not all squished. Out <laughs> it's all squished. Yeah, it's done, right? You got like hair stuck to it. <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? Let's <laughs> leave it mine. <laughs> so yeah, check check those guys out. Um, it sounds like they're 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 trying to get some uh, product back out there for for you guys. Um, and word has it, we will be seeing uh, our discount code come back online. Um, they, had, they had some issues on, on the back end, we'll say, uh, but they're getting that sorted out. And uh, they definitely still support us, and we want to support you guys with that discount code. So uh, we'll let you know when it's back live, but it will be uh, DTFF again, I'm sure. Yeah, and if, uh, if you are looking at putting in a larger order, um, and you are looking at still wanting to get that without them livening up the code just yet, drop us a message. I have an email address for our contact there. He said that he will deal with our, our listeners directly. And uh, so if you are looking to get some, some larger orders and you're looking for that discount still, contact us. I can give you the name and you can have a chat with him directly and, and order them and, uh, and still save that money. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. Uh, StopTheLead.org, yeah, we've uh, mentioned it many times. Uh, make sure you carry a tourniquet on your person um, and not only carry it, make sure it's out of the package and know how to use it appropriately. Uh, practice it. Uh, make sure you know how to put it on. Make sure other people know how to put it on you or themselves and it will hurt. Um, and uh, wound packing as well. Scott's trying to dig his out right now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, lots of different varieties out there, different styles. Um, yeah, just uh, take a look at them. <clears throat> see which ones you like um yeah i guess that's about it really i know unfortunately all the training is kind of on hold at the moment with everything going on but uh maybe once the dust settles and normality comes back out in our lives uh there'll be some more classes again in your areas yeah and i'd still like to see if we can mm-hmm. do something yeah we gotta do something on that yeah yeah even like a a live q a or something we could do through yeah. facebook live or something yeah, it'll be good mm-hmm. uh da-da, da-da. See you, Rob.
the Sea Rat uh, from Ignition USA. Uh, we uh, got ours in. Uh, we've uh, <laughs> we've tried it. We've tried to use it in the last two, in the last today. We tried yeah, to use it twice. Yeah, we, we had a couple a couple calls today. Uh, one of them was the proper style door, but it was heavily fortified. So uh, <laughs> yes, yes the, it was <laughs> the proper door, but they had some extra pieces welded on. So uh, it didn't quite work out for us today, but amazing tool um has uh multiple i think like seven uses to it so uh check that out uh it's a really good soft entry tool um you can leave a premises uh secure once you leave so if it's a non non-urgent medical call uh something along those lines there's there's many many calls where we don't need to be breaching the door uh as much as we love to breach the door <laughs> um but yeah check that out ignition usa uh they're on all the major social media platforms uh we will be eventually once we can get out there filming uh some uh, uh demo videos for you guys to see uh in the meantime uh dtff 2020 for your uh discount 20 percent off Done. Legion Engineered. Rocking the hats are still, boys. You betcha. Still mm -hmm. are, yeah. We got our decals in. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's some, some great stuff. Um, Joel Struthers there, his company. Um, they've got a lot of great swag there. A uh, portion of their proceeds, uh, as we know, goes towards PTSD uh, support and awareness, which we definitely um, support. And also uh, his book, Appel, uh, Canadian and the French Foreign Legion. Yeah. Quality guy. Yeah. Been through a lot. Scott said, uh, you know, we only kind of partially touched oh, yeah. on. Just touched it. Oh. Scraped the surface of it. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's just the amount of training. The amount of different courses and the amount of different units and stuff that he'd say. Like, oh. mm -hmm. yeah. And crazy. not only with his history there, now he's out uh, flying helicopters and yeah. uh, supporting us with uh, fires. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Legend. Good man. And then we have secondalarm.org. Uh, secondalarm.org is our friend Matt's calls. Uh, it is a calls put together to try and get more firefighters into our fire halls and uh, and keep them there and try and actually portray the things that we do out to the public to try and entice more interest for people to actually come and join us in what we do. So very, very good calls, very important. If you have some time, go check them out, secondalarm.org. And then there's us. We are on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the YouTubes, the TikToks, all the other fun bits and pieces. Some of our video content um, has kind of slowed down, obviously, just because we can't get out and do a whole bunch of stuff at the moment, unfortunately. But uh, look for some of that to be ramped back up fairly soon. Hopefully, once all these uh, lockdown procedures start to kind of loosen off a little bit, we've got some good things planned. Um, and uh, in the meantime, though, if you are looking to check into uh, some of the, the tactics and uh, things that we talk about, some of the things that we've done, go and check us out on the YouTube page. Uh, you can view us on there and see all of our video content there. Everything we've done is up there, including our product reviews of the Motus tools and uh, bits and pieces like that. So check that out. And uh, please, please, please give us a rating. Every five-star five rating you give us helps us go up that, uh, that list. If there is people that are looking to try and find a podcast that's a little bit different when it comes to the firefighter side of things, um, then maybe this is for them and it helps others to find us. So if you are out there and you are listening constantly, we really appreciate you listening. If you wouldn't mind just doing that for us, it would be great. Todd. I'm Scott. Scott. <laughs> Todd, what? 
talking about the barbarks? No, we're just the bite too. Oh, right on. <laughs> I don't want to forget them. No. Get upset. <laughs> we don't forget the bar boys. Ash. What? Censor <laughs> fellows, those guys, right? <laughs> you forgot to mention them once. <laughs> Never going to let it die. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I was going to say something inappropriate. <laughs> what? <laughs> messenger group. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say yeah. save it for the messenger group. <laughs> See our Bar Boys Brotherhood Academy Radio Podcast. Um, what else can we say? <laughs> yeah, a really good group down there um, in uh, Maine. Um, they release a new episode every Sunday-ish. Um, <laughs> and then again, Wednesday-ish. Um, very, very similar swing to what, to what we're uh, doing here. We give each other a lot of grief. Um, but... We we love the banter. So, um, if you haven't checked them out yet, please do. Um, if you have, great. <laughs> Bar boys. Bar boys. What else can you say? Chatter. Chatter. Yeah. Fighting for a dying breed. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what they say. That is what they say. That's what they sing. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Any boys? Any more for any more? Cool. Yeah, well, cool. Then we'll leave it there. That was good. That was really yeah. good. Ash. Good night. Todd. Thank you. Good night. Wash your hands and don't speak moistly. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Yeah, what talks it? <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF.